What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. As y'all may know, I've been supplementing some of Calder's feedings with Bobby for the past four months, and we have been loving it. And really one of the main reasons why we chose Bobby is because of their high quality ingredients and simple recipe. As the only mom led and founded infant formula company in the U.S. with an organic European style recipe that meets all FDA standard, they continue to set the bar as the leading clean infant formula. And they recently received the Clean Label Project Purity Award and pesticide free certification. This is huge. The Clean Label Project evaluates products for substances that would never be found on a product label. For instance, heavy metals, pesticide residues, and plasticizers. The fact that Bobby received these awards makes me feel even more confident as a parent, knowing that we are giving our sweet Calder the best. So if you are a new mama or mama-to-be and you are looking for a high-quality formula to feed your baby and just the peace of mind and knowing that what you're feeding your baby is going to give them the nourishment they need and not have anything that they don't need in it, Bobby absolutely has my stamp of approval. You can head to freemethodnutrition.com slash Bobby to order yours today and use my promo code Murphy 10 for 10% off. Welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Heather Finley. Um, Heather is a registered dietitian and gut health specialist, as well as a sought-after speaker on the topics of constipation, bloating, gut health, disordered eating, and how all these topics intersect. So Heather, welcome to today's show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I was telling you before we hit record, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I feel like gut health is something that we get asked about a lot on this podcast and just in my practice in general. So I'm excited to have an expert here that we can talk through all the ins and outs of gut health with. Yes. Well, I'll talk about poop all day, every day. So I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes. yes. And as we were talking about this before too, I know you're expecting any day now your second child. And I feel like poop is something I talk about all the time with my job yes. and in my like home life as well. So it's kind of yeah. everywhere. I heard from one of my daughter's teachers the other day, I guess she asked her like, what does your mom do? And my daughter told her, my mom helps people poop. And I was like, that is so awesome. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I'm like, well, you got to be known for something. So <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. It's memorable. <laughs> yes. It's so memorable. Well, tell us a little more just about yourself and even kind of how you got into the area of gut health. Yeah. So um, I'm a registered dietitian and I specialize in gut health. Like you said, um, I spent the first decade of my career um, really actually working with eating disorders um, and um, really like my own story, as well as the clients that I was working with 
kind of inspired me to go down this rabbit hole of gut health because not only did I struggle with my own digestive issues for about two decades, I had so many clients that struggled with digestive issues either as a result of their eating disorder or it was kind of this chicken or egg scenario, like did the gut issues cause the eating disorder or vice versa? And so I felt super stuck just as a practitioner trying to help them navigate it. And also just a lot of imposter syndrome of my own of like, I can't even help myself. How am I supposed to help these clients? And so um, early on, like in that journey is when I was inspired to kind of start digging into gut health. And um, as we were talking about before we pressed record, I was really struggling with like, okay, does gut health have to be this like really extreme, like drink green juice four times a week and stand on your head and do yoga and be insane. Like, does it have to be that? Or is there a better approach? Like, is there a way that we can Mm -hmm. like teach people to trust and fuel their bodies, but also improve their gut health without feeling like, okay, it has to be this like super extreme, like rooted in diet culture um, experience. And so for my own sake, as well as my clients is kind of when I started really digging into kind of this more like functional side of nutrition and like really how the gut worked and how the gut brain connection worked and how all of it worked together. And then how I could help my clients from like a very reasonable standpoint and not extreme standpoint. So it was really like this whole like career was really inspired selfishly by my own journey with gut health, but then also by the clients that I was working with and felt like I was super stuck with. Yeah. And I, I feel like your own journey probably makes you more relatable to your clients where I know, I feel like gut health is something that can feel kind of like taboo to talk about, like your Mm -hmm. poop and your digestion and all of that. So having gone through it yourself, I would think maybe makes your clients feel a little more like safe to open up to you about their gut health issues as well. Totally. Because I mean, there's a lot of shame behind it, you know, like if you haven't gone to the bathroom in a week, like no one talks about that. Um, no one talks about like how uncomfortable it actually is to be like really bloated and like physically uncomfortable. And I think sometimes in the disordered eating world, it's like easy to just be like, oh, well, it's your eating disorder. But like there are true physical symptoms that can happen as a result of gut health issues. And so I think teaching clients to be able to differentiate what those are is helpful and empowering for them too. But yeah, it's it's definitely more of like a taboo topic. No one wants to talk about the fact that they've been constipated for a week or anything like that. But it's normal, you know, like everyone poops and it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. And I know with clients, especially I see this with a lot of our clients who do have eating disorders as we're working to like reintroduce certain foods or increase their intake. We do sometimes notice some gut issues of even if it's just like stomach pain because they're eating more or they're not used to digesting certain foods. So it can be such a hard line of like, we don't want to discredit that there may be other things going on, but also maybe it's just because you've been eating, you know, X amount of calories and now we're increasing it. Um, so I think the work you do is so important of like, we never want to just write it off as like, it's just the eating disorder. It's just because you've been on all these diets, but kind of taking that deeper look of like, let's make sure we're covering all the bases. Yeah. And like, you know, let's kind of be able to differentiate like what's normal and what's not. Yeah. 
What would be, so if you have a client that you're working with who maybe has a history of, whether it's like an actual eating disorder or just kind of some diets here and there and, and disordered eating, what would be things that they can look for that would be more under the realm of like, okay, these are some things that you may expect and that would be more kind of quote unquote normal, but here are some things that would be more red flags or we may want to dig deeper. Yeah. So what can be normal is bloating and distension after meals. Um, especially like you said, like if you're introducing foods or you haven't eaten, um, like a certain amount of calories for a long period of time, like your gut is a muscle. And so just like any other muscle in our body, it has to quote unquote, get back in shape. And so if it's not used to digesting larger amounts of food at a time, it can be physically uncomfortable. Um, and it can be a little bit, um, uncomfortable too, to introduce new foods, especially, um, foods that can cause gas and bloating and, and all that. And so in some ways, you know, if you are like, if you have struggled with an eating disorder or disordered eating or jumped, you know, from diet to diet, sometimes reintroduction of foods can be uncomfortable, but the differentiation is it should normalize. Um, whereas Mm -hmm. like, If you're every time you're eating, you're keeled over with stomach pain and really hard distended bloat that doesn't go away. Or if it's bloating that like progressively gets worse throughout the day and you're like, why do I look six months pregnant and I'm not pregnant? Mm -hmm. Like that's the kind of bloating that is not normal and should maybe be looked into a bit more, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it's happening like every single time you eat and not just with like an increased amount of food or new foods that you're trying, or if it's happening for like months on end, you know, I think mm. sometimes it's like, okay, let's just get through a couple weeks of like reintroducing foods, increasing calories, getting your gut to adjust. But if it doesn't go away, then I would say mm-hmm. that that's for sure a red flag as well. Yeah, that's good. So what then, cause some people may be listening and thinking like, how does gut health even intersect with disordered eating? Like I kind of think of them on like two completely separate like fields. So talk to us a little bit more about like how, how our gut is impacted by what we eat. And so how disordered eating, eating disorders can have such an impact on it. Yeah. So the way I like to describe it, because I think it resonates and makes sense with people is it's all an energy equation. So like you could relate it to like driving your car, you know, if you were driving your car with no gas uphill, obviously you're not going to get anywhere. Um, but like same thing with disordered eating or an eating disorder, there are energy priorities in your body. Um, and what I mean by that is there are certain organs that take priority over your gut. So your heart, your lungs, your brain, those are all essential organs. They need fuel and they need energy. So if at the end of the day, there's not enough energy, there is not energy being sourced to the gut to actually contract and move through, which is why constipation, bloating, sometimes diarrhea, um, can be really common with this overlap of like eating disorders, disordered eating and gut issues, because it's all an energy equation. If at the end of the day, you don't have energy to contract that muscle, then it's not going to work. And so over time, that muscle gets out of shape um, or fatigued. And so it's 
less efficient at clearing out waste, meaning like it kind of just creates this like snowball effect. So, you know, you're, you start out being a little bit constipated and then you become even more constipated and then you're going to the bathroom once a week and you're like, what the heck is going on? Um, but just like any other muscle in your body, it, it's going to get out of shape and it can take a little bit of rehab um, to work again. And so that's, I think the biggest thing is just like the whole like energy equation piece of it. The other things that can happen is, you know, if you're really stressed when you're eating, that can affect even like your digestive enzymes. If you are eating less, your body accommodates for that by decreasing stomach acid because it thinks it doesn't need as much. So it's just doing what it's designed to do is accommodating for the input that it's getting. So less stomach acid, less digestive enzymes, less gut contractions to move things through. And over time, like that can create a really perfect storm for what we call gut dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut. Um, Because if things are sitting in your gut longer, they are fermenting, producing gas and slowing things down, making you feel really bloated and uncomfortable. So you can kind of see how this like spiral could start by like, oh, I'm just on a diet and I'm eating less. But then over time, like it has this really compounded effect both mentally and physically um it can have yeah. consequences mm. and i think all of that brings up such a good point around you know if you think about someone starting a diet oftentimes their thought is like i'm doing this to get healthy to get you know quote unquote back on track like usually their motivation aligns somewhere with those thoughts but then everything you just described is like takes you further away from health if it's messing Mm -hmm. up just your digestive enzymes and your, the muscle that is your gut and, and all these different things, it's kind of taking you further and further away from health. But those are all the things, you know, diets don't really tell us. It makes you think like, Oh, this is going to help you. And I feel like because like gut health is such a buzzword these days, I'm sure there's even diets out there that are like, we'll start this diet. It's going to heal your gut. It's going to improve your gut health. When in reality, it's like, actually, it's going to do the opposite. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Well, and like, to your point, most of the time when people change their diet, you know, for better or worse, like anytime you change your diet, usually your gut responds positively because you've changed your diet. But that doesn't mean that it's a long-term solution. So just because you start one diet and you feel better for two weeks, doesn't mean that that's like the solution to your problems because more than likely after you've been eating that way for two to three weeks, then your gut goes back to the way that it was before. It's the dietary change that causes the gut to change, um, which is a whole nother topic in itself. But, um, you know, you might have this like false hope of, oh, I changed my diet and I'm eating, you know, these only five foods that I'm allowed to have and I feel better and then the symptoms start coming back. And so that's, yeah. I think, keeps people stuck is they're like, oh, well, then I should just mm-hmm. try something else because it worked last time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so do you feel like people who maybe are bouncing from all these different diets or, you know, whether it's an actual quote unquote diet or just kind of food rules of like, well, I'm not eating this type of food, I'm cutting out carbs. Does that have an impact on their gut? Like if you're kind of doing all these different things where you're kind of, throwing your gut through this like washing machine of different options. 
Totally. Because at the end of the day, like what we do know, there's, there's so much that we do know about gut health. There's also so much that we still don't know. Like the whole gut microbiota, like that whole science is actually a fairly new science. Like there's still stuff that we're learning every single day from that. But what we do know from the largest studies that have been done on gut health is that variety is the biggest predictor of a quote unquote healthy gut um, than anything else. So the more you restrict or the more you cut things out, the less quote unquote healthy your gut is because especially like in, on the carb side of things, most carbohydrates have fiber and fiber is what actually feeds your two to five pounds of gut bacteria that you have living inside of you, which I know is like a weird concept for people to think about, yeah. but like, <laughs> those bugs need fuel and they get that fuel from fiber. So especially with like these super carbohydrate restricted diets or restricting like any fermentable carbohydrates, like of course you feel better because it's not affecting your gut bacteria, but over time it's really negatively affecting your gut health because they need fuel to survive and variety is the biggest predictor of a healthy gut because the gut bugs that prefer green beans are different than the ones that like flax seeds. So it's like, yeah, you need to be eating a variety of foods throughout your life. That's so interesting. And I think, yeah, a lot of stuff that people don't necessarily think about before going on a diet or before making certain like food restrictions, but definitely important things for people to know. Yes, absolutely. Um, so what about, I, I talked a little bit or mentioned kind of that, like gut health is kind of quite a buzzword. I feel like it has been for the past few years or so. Um, so what would you say would be maybe some of those things out there? Like, I guess kind of helping us separate like fact from fiction when it comes to like how to support your gut, how to, you know, eat in a way that promotes gut health. And, and we haven't even talked about this a ton, but how things even outside of food can influence our gut, um, you know, our stress and that sort of thing. So really for people listening who maybe are like, okay, well, I want to make sure I'm taking care of my gut. Like what are ways that I can do that that are actually good for my overall health and not just some crazy like gut health fad out there? Yeah. And I love to talk about this topic because I agree with you. I feel like gut health is a very trendy, like, like I said earlier, like I think people think of gut health and they think of green juice and yoga and yeah. I don't know, like yeah. standing <laughs> on your head. And like, I mean, if you want to do that, great. Like that's not, yeah. that's fine, <laughs> but like <laughs> you don't have to do that every day in order to have a healthy gut, you know, like there's so many foundational things that we can do to support gut health that aren't extreme most of the women that we work with are super busy and moms or career women, and they don't have time to be, you know, juicing every morning and doing seven hours of yoga and four hours of meditation. Like if you do have the time to do that, great. But, um, you know, they, they need simple. And I think people are always so relieved when they realize that it can be simple. Um, and a lot of just like these foundational habits that we've gotten away from as like an act of self-care really do promote gut health. So like you mentioned, like even non-food related things. So sleep, I mean, honestly, that's the, one of the biggest things. And that was one of the biggest things for me is 
I was one of those people that was like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm fine. You know, like I don't need sleep. And I realized like that was not helpful. Um, and when you sleep is when you actually rest and digest. And so if you're not resting and digesting, of course, your gut is going to be affected. Your body repairs itself while it's sleeping. So one of the foundational things that we always are working on with our clients is sleep. Um, in addition to that is stress management. So there's this, I wish I could like show it to you, but there's this amazing graphic that shows like what your body does when it's in a parasympathetic state and what it does in a sympathetic state. And if people are unfamiliar with that, basically what you do in a non-stressed state and what you do in a stressed state. And it shows like when you are stressed, your heart rate is elevated. Your gut contractions are slowed down. Your saliva decreases, your digestive enzymes decrease, et cetera. Um, and so if you're constantly stressed, like you think about the compound impact that that can have on your gut over time, you need saliva in order to digest your food. And so even just thinking about like kind of head to toe, how that affects digestion is pretty incredible. Um, so working on stress management, trying to eat in a relaxed state, trying to chew your food. Um, I know that that sounds like so elementary, but like chewing your food, it makes a huge difference in your yeah. digestion, um, taking deep breaths before you eat, smelling your food. Like think about a time you've walked past a bakery and you've smelled a scone and you start salivating doing that before you actually eat and get in like cueing your body that, Hey, I'm about to eat food. That's actually a really powerful technique to improve your digestion. Um, hydration is another one, like, uh, again, sounds simple, but most people just don't drink enough water. And so trying to drink water. Um, and then honestly, one of the biggest ones that I see, especially just like in this day and age is exercise. A lot of people think that the more intense the exercise, the better off they're going to be. But the reality is for most of our clients, they actually need to scale back on their exercise because of kind of what I was talking about earlier, like the whole energy equation. If your body is really trying hard to repair muscles and refuel after a hit workout or whatever, it's going to affect your digestion because again, like lack of energy at the end of the day. And so most of our clients really do benefit from like doing like yoga, not in like an extreme way, but like do yoga, yeah. do Pilates, walk, do like lower impact activity. And they not only feel better digestion wise, but they have more energy, which then mm -hmm. like allows them to actually implement other habits to take care of themselves as well. So like, that's one of the most powerful things is like, they're not exhausting yeah. themselves with exercise. They feel like they have the energy to even like cook some food that would be helpful or um, go on a walk or go outside or call a friend or like mm. do maybe some of these habits that they've gotten away from that are helpful for the gut, but they just felt like I'm too exhausted or I don't have time. So yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> no, that that's so great. Cause I feel like that's something everyone needs to hear to help kind of decipher from like what's true, what's not true. Cause we hear so much noise around the gut. And I think even on the topic of exercise, thinking about like how stress can Im be impacted with exercise. I see this a lot with my clients of 
you know, if I'm so stressed of, well, I have to get in this workout, I have to do this high intensity workout. It kind of sounds like a double-edged sword of like, well, the high intensity may not be helping my gut a ton in this moment. And I'm have all this stress from exercise and my body and all of this. So it's kind of doubly making my gut health even worse um, versus something like yoga Pilates that maybe is a little slower incorporating more breathing and not to say, and you know, not to say everyone out there needs to do yoga or do Pilates or that sort of thing. But I think hearing what you said can be helpful for people to even just evaluate like what type of exercise they're doing and why they're doing it. Like if someone enjoys hit exercises, that's great. Keep doing it. Um, but I think it can be helpful for them to see as they're looking through what they may need to do to support their gut. And it's all the intention too. Like we have a lot of clients that they're like, but I actually really enjoyed like the hit training that I do. And I'm like, that's totally fine. We just need to make sure that you have enough fuel and you're getting enough rest. And so maybe it's not taking it away. It's just modifying the length of time that they're doing it or the amount of times per week. And so like, I don't think gut health has to be super black and white. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I, I think we were talking about this before we turned the recording on, but like, there's not one thing that works for every single client. And so it's like finding what's the balance for you, like what works best for you. And like, even on like the food side of things, there's not a Mm -hmm. list of foods that like, if you eat these foods, you're going to have a healthy gut, you know, like, yeah, it's so different for everybody. And I think the same could be said for exercise and sleep and stress management. Mm -hmm. Like you have to really figure out like what the perfect concoction is for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And knowing there's nothing wrong. And you said this a bit, a little bit ago, I think around like drinking a green juice or like eating some sort of like, you know, fermented food, like it all goes back to someone's motivation around it. Like if you're eating or drinking that juice, cause you think it's going to cure everything and, you know, bring all your goals to fruition, like that might need to be evaluated. <laughs> but if you genu- genuinely enjoy drinking juice, like keep doing it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I drank one yesterday. I was at, I went to lunch with my husband and I was like, that kind of sounds good. So I ordered one, but like, when was the last time I did that? Probably six months ago. You know, it's just like, yeah, Yeah. it's all like the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you know, finding sustainable ways to improve your gut health, gut health without feeling like it has to be extreme or, rigid. I love that. Heather, for people listening who maybe want to learn even more about gut health, want to follow you, learn more about your practice, where can they find you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is Dr. Heather Finley. Um, you can also check out my website. It's drheatherfinley.co. Yeah. I'd love to hear from you if something stood out or something was a light bulb moment. I always love hearing from people afterwards. Awesome. And one other thing we didn't talk about, but we do have some dietitians that listen to the podcast. And I know you have a program, I believe, for dietitians as well. Um, Can you talk on that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So I do have, I have kind of two sides of my business. I have the Gut Together program, which is kind of the client side where we help, you know, people with all sorts of digestive issues um, get to the root cause. And then I also have the practitioner side and that is kind of a blend. It's a six month high level mastermind that blends both gut health education as well as business coaching. 
Um, mm. And so the next round of that actually will be in March. Um, so after awesome. I have the baby and we kind of take some yeah. time off, <laughs> we will be enrolling for that next round. So if you're interested in that, awesome. you're welcome to reach out as well. Perfect. Well, the way I love to end our interviews is asking our guests what their favorite food memory is. Um, cause I know, you know, we've talked about all the different diets and, and noise that's out there that can kind of impact our relationship with food. And so I think it can be fun just to think on like, what is a food memory that I have that I really enjoy? This is a great question. Um, the, the thing that immediately comes to mind is almost exactly four years ago. Um, my husband and I took a two week trip to Europe. We went to Germany and we went to Italy and there was a day, uh, we were in Rome and it was super rainy and like, we weren't able to do like any of the things that we had planned to do, which, you know, seems like a bummer, but it honestly was like one of the best days ever. We found ourselves like sitting in this cafe, just like drinking wine and eating a cheese board. And we sat there for a long time, just like talking about our goals and just like relaxing yeah. and everything. And so like, I always think about that day and I'm like, that was like the best day. Um, yeah. And wine and I'm happy. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Especially like being in Italy or being in, in a different Italy, country. I know. I was like, this is the yes. best case scenario ever. So yes. I, would, I would do that over and over again if I could. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking time for this interview. I know our listeners are really going to learn a lot from this episode. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the Free Method Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review. That helps other people discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure to tag us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.